On this glorious Easter Sunday, we find ourselves in the middle of a sermon series entitled, Who's Your One? For several weeks, we have been asking one another, who is the one person that we are close to who's not close to the Lord? We've been asked to identify that person, pray for that individual at least once a day for 30 days, and then look for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with that person. Along the way, uh, we have examined one-on-one encounters that Jesus had with various people in his ministry. This morning, I want to share with you one of the most popular episodes in the ministry of Christ. If you have your Bible, I invite you to take it and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. And once you find your place in sacred scripture, please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. Luke, chapter 19, I want to read verses 1 to 10 in your hearing. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. May God add his richest blessing to the reading, the preaching, understanding, and the obedience to his perfect word. You may be seated. Maybe you remember the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. That just might be a memory from childhood, but there's nothing childish about this story. We are told that Jesus was passing through Jericho. Jericho was an important city located 17 miles east of Jerusalem. It was a strategic city for the Roman government. It was there in Jericho that we find a regional tax center. Now, the confiscation of taxes in any nation, under any government, is a complex system that very few people understand. That's true today. It's also true in the first century. Apparently, in the Roman Empire, the ability to collect taxes was given to the highest bidder. Normally, it went to a wealthy Roman citizen. The Bible would call that person a publican. Now, the publican never wanted to get his hands dirty, so he would hire tax collectors to literally and physically go from door to door and receive the taxes from the countrymen. There were some big cities, some lucrative regions, where the tax collector could then in turn hire subordinate tax collectors. He was the middleman of middlemen. In that case, the original tax collector, the Bible calls a chief tax collector. This is Zacchaeus. 
it tells us that Zacchaeus worked for a publican, but he also was in a pretty good spot because he was able to hire subordinate tax collectors to actually go out and take up all of the taxes. Now, the Roman government would tell the publican, this is how much money I require from you. And the publican would add a little bit of money to it to pad his own pocket and demand more from the tax collector. And then the tax collectors would turn around and demand even more money uh, from the citizens of that town or region. There were no governmental regulations. There were no limitations. A publican could put whatever price tax he wanted on the tax collector. And the tax collector could turn around and pass on that price um, and expense to the actual people that he was collecting taxes from. So you can quickly see that this process could easily be abused. And nobody liked publicans and everybody despised tax collectors. And in those scenarios where there was a chief tax collector, he was despised beyond, beyond description because everybody hated him because he was just one more hand in the pie. He was just one more person in the food chain, just one more hike in the price of taxes. Everybody hated tax collectors, publicans, chief tax collectors. That's who Zacchaeus is. He's despised by his countrymen. But apparently, he was pretty good at his job. Luke says not only was he a chief tax collector, but he was wealthy. One day he heard that the rabbi rock star named Jesus was making his way in his neck of the woods. And he wanted to see him. The Bible doesn't necessarily tell us why he wanted to see Jesus. But I can well imagine that this man who had everything knew that he had nothing. This man had a full bank account, but an empty spirit. This man lived in a nice house, but he had a nasty heart. This man had everything at his disposal, and yet he had no happiness. There was no contentment in his life. He wanted to see Jesus in the hopes that maybe Jesus could satisfy his longing. Maybe Jesus could do something or say something that would make meaning out of this life. Can you relate to Zacchaeus? Maybe you know what it is to have enough, to have a lot, to have enough to be comfortable, and yet still at the same time wonder, is this all there is to life? There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than living in a house and working a job and filling a bank account and getting a, a retirement plan and maybe getting a boat, maybe getting another car and, and maybe raising a... There's got to be something more than just eking out existence. This is Zacchaeus. Now, on this given day, there were two obstacles. The first obstacle was there was a large crowd. At this time of his ministry, Jesus was at the top of his game. Everybody wanted to get around him. Everybody wanted to hear him. Everybody wanted to touch him. And when Jesus went into Jericho, a large crowd pressed against the Messiah. Oh, but Zacchaeus had another obstacle. He was, we can just call it, uh, vertically challenged. I don't know how tall he was, but I do know he was a wee little man. And I suspect that he probably had LMS. You know what LMS is, little man syndrome. He always wanted to be the big man on campus, but he never was. He had always been short, always been a pipsqueak. He had always been tiny, and yet he was resourceful. 
He was very crafty, very creative. He never let his short stature stop him from doing whatever he wanted. So on this day, he ran ahead of the pack. He climbed a sycamore fig tree. He thought to himself, if I can get high enough in that tree, I'll have a bird's eye view of Jesus. I mean, he's walking right down Main Street, and the sycamore fig tree is located right in the middle of town. And so he may not see me, but I will definitely be able to see him. And that's exactly what he did. Zacchaeus ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree, perched like a bird, looking at Jesus. Now, friends, we read the details of the story of Zacchaeus as if somehow that's normal behavior. But imagine with me that this afternoon you and I went to Pelham Park and we saw a grown man, a professional, a man in a suit and tie, climb a tree. We would think to ourselves, that's creepy, or that man's up to no good, or at the very least we'd have to say, that's odd. We expect to find an eight-year-old boy climbing a tree, not a grown man. We expect to find a child climbing the tree, not a professional. And yet this man who is grown, he's he's an adult, he's a businessman, he's a professional, he's dressed to the nines, and he goes in the middle of town and he climbs a sycamore fig tree. You have to agree with me, this is odd behavior. In his sermon entitled, The Testimony of a Tax Collector, E.K. Bailey ask a great question. What drove this man up that tree? Friends, that's a great question. What drove this man up that tree? E.K. Bailey concludes that it was not his short stature that drove him up the tree, but rather it was his shortage in a relationship with God that drove him up that tree. He was a successful failure. He had everything and yet he had nothing. He was sick and tired of being the punchline of the cruel jokes at the dinner parties. He was sick and tired of being called a crook by his own countrymen. He had been marginalized, he had been pushed aside, he had been shoved away. And Mick Jagger is not the first one to not get any satisfaction. Because Zacchaeus tried, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried, but he couldn't get no, boom, 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 satisfaction. And Zacchaeus was sick and tired of not being satisfied in life. That's what drove him up the tree. He needed meaning. He wanted, com- he wanted uh, contentment. He needed purpose in life. He needed some satisfaction. And he had none of that in his life. Can you relate to Zacchaeus? Do you know what it is? To have a meaningless existence? Do you know what it is to long for purpose? Zacchaeus found himself up that tree. Jesus came to the foot of the sycamore fig tree and Jesus initiated the conversation. Jesus always initiates divine conversations. It is Jesus who called Zacchaeus by name. Zacchaeus, come down. I've got to go to your house today. We are not given any indication that up until this point, Jesus had ever met Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus had ever met Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 19 is a first time encounter. And yet Jesus called him by name. If you're part of the redeemed, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me just ask you, 
Do you remember when Jesus called you by name? Do you remember that night that you were saved? You remember that moment when you prayed that prayer? Do you remember that reality that, that Jesus became so very real to you that you knew it was your sin that nailed him to the cross? And that you were the reason that he came and lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sins, and was raised on the third day. Do you remember, friend, when Jesus called you by name? Do you remember that moment in time? It's an anchor in your soul. For you recall and you remember with vivid clarity, that's the day that Jesus called me by name. Oh, he called Zacchaeus by name. And Zacchaeus came down at once, and he came down gladly. That tells us that uh, he came down with haste, and he came down with joy. He scurried down that tree as fast as his little short legs would carry him. He came down that tree with joy. Why? Because Jesus had called him by name. Whenever you encounter Jesus, joy always results. Have you found that to be true? That whenever you encounter Jesus, joy always results. The angels said to the shepherds, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. It was the paralytic who was healed by Jesus. He stood on his own two feet. He bent over and picked up his mat. He rejoiced as he exited the house. It was that lunatic named Legion that when he encountered Jesus, his life was transformed from the inside out. And the Bible says that he joyfully went around town telling everybody, what Jesus had done for him. Whenever a person encounters Jesus, there is always joy. And this is a joy that the world can't take away. It's a joy that a bad economy can't evaporate. It's a joy that a tornado cannot topple. It's a joy that a culture cannot cancel. It is a joy that sin cannot snuff out. It is a joy that cancer cannot cripple. It is a joy that pain cannot paralyze. It is a joy that's in spite of all circumstances, we can say, Jesus is Lord of my life. I, want, I wish I could get a witness in the house. I wish somebody could agree with me that when you encounter Jesus, joy always results. This is the case for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes down with haste. He welcomes Jesus gladly. In verse 7, the crowd begins to voice their disgust. Here goes Jesus again. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. It's in verse 8 that Zacchaeus voices his delight of Jesus. Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And I think that in between verses 7 and 8... There's a great discussion about Jesus between the Lord and Zacchaeus. I know it's not in your text. I mean, you can stare as long as you want to at the black and white page. You're not going to find the conversation. I wish that Luke would have recorded it for us, don't you? It sure would be helpful when we think about our one that we're praying for. It'd be nice to know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus and then we could just say the same thing to our one. Wouldn't it be nice if it was recorded for us? But for some reason, the Holy Spirit did not inspire Luke to record that conversation. Oh, but you and I probably can give a holy hunch. We have an idea of what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. Jesus probably said something like, Zacchaeus, 
I'm inviting you to come and follow me. And Zacchaeus says, Jesus, I, I don't know what all that's going to take and what all that's going to cost, but I sure can tell you I've got an emptiness inside. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, you know, you're the reason I came to town today. I came just so you and I could have this conversation. I want you to know that I know that you're trying to fill that emptiness in your life with all types of money and materialism. I know that you're gripped by greed. I know you're trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses. I know that you're not satisfied and content in life. And uh, Zacchaeus, I, I can do that for you. All you have to do is you just simply have to acknowledge who I am. I'm the son of God. You also have to acknowledge that you are a sinner. You are making decisions in life that are contrary to the word of God and the will of God for you. And Zacchaeus, you've got to come to grips with that. You've got to know that uh, you're a sinner, that I'm the Savior. And what I'm going to do here in a few weeks is I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And I'll be handed over to religious rulers. They will um, execute me. Not for any crime that I have done, but for all the crimes that you have done. And I will be hoisted in the air. And I'll be crucified. They'll take my body and place it in a ground, in a, in a grave. And on the third day, I'll be raised to life. You know, Zacchaeus, uh, all you have to do is receive and repent. Receive the good news that I just told you and repent from your sin. Because if you come and follow me, it will be visible, not just to you, but to everybody else. Because your life will be changed and transformed. I think this is kind of the conversation that goes on between Jesus and Zacchaeus as they make their way from the middle of town at the foot of the sycamore fig tree over to Zacchaeus' house. At some point in the meal, Zacchaeus says, look, Lord, my life has been transformed. My life has been changed. Here and now, I give half my possession to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, which I know I have, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. It was extremely generous for a person to give away 20% of their income. On this day, Zacchaeus said, I'll give away 50%. And before the cynic rises up inside of you and says, yeah, that's easy for him, he's wealthy. Let me just stop you. Because 50% of anybody's income is significant to that person. Can you imagine giving away 50% of your income? And this man had been to Sunday school. He knew what was stated in Exodus, that if you steal your neighbor's sheep, you got to pay back four times what was stolen. And so Zacchaeus says, um, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Now let's be very clear. Zacchaeus was not saved because he gave away a large sum of money. No, he gave away a large sum of money because he was saved. His glad heart led to a generous wallet. Most of the time, that's the last thing we give to the Lord. We'll give him our marriage. We'll give him our morality. We'll give him our family. We'll give him our past. We will give him our present crisis. We'll give him the fear of our future. We'll give him just about everything except our wallet. Yet when we find that this man gladly gives Jesus his wallet and says, you, you write the check. I'll just sign it. I'll endorse it. You, you tell me what to do. I'll give half my possession to the poor. And if I cheat anybody, I'll pay back four times the amount. Oh, Zacchaeus was saved 
Not because he gave away a bunch of money. He gave away a bunch of money because he was saved. Don't ever miss this principle that your identity precedes your activity. Who you are determines what you do. Don't ever reverse that. Don't ever think that what you do determines who you are. No, if you are in Christ, that's your identity. And then out of that identity flows all of your activity where you are generous and giving and loving and kind. All that flows out of your identity in Christ. Your identity always precedes your activity. In verse 10, Jesus said, salvation's come to this house. For this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke writes this gospel for two reasons. Number one, he wants you to know who is Jesus. Number two, he wants you to know why did Jesus come. Who is Jesus, you ask? He's the Son of Man. That's the most popular title that Jesus gives himself in the gospels. What does that mean? It means that he's the God-man. He is perfectly God and perfectly human. He's a 100, 100% split, not a 50-50, not an 80-20, not a 90-10, one way or the other. He is completely God and completely human. Why did he come? He came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus did not come to turn the world upside down. He came to turn sinners right side up. That's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. It is not that Jesus came to turn the world upside down. He came to turn sinners right side up. And when you get to verse 10, you finally see the reality that Zacchaeus is right side up. He has met the Lord and his life has been thoroughly changed and transformed. The title of this sermon is A Man Up a Tree. You just might think that that's a reference to Zacchaeus. And I guess it could be. But this morning on this glorious Easter Sunday, I came to remind you that there's another man who climbed another tree. This other man who climbed another tree was not found in Jericho, but in Jerusalem. This other man who climbed another tree, he did so not so that he might see God. He did so so that you might be able to see God. This other man who climbed another tree is not a sinner. This other man who climbed another tree identifies with sinners. This other man who climbed another tree did not give away half his possessions. No, this other man who climbed another tree is the crown jewel of heaven. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This other man who climbed another tree is not a crook. This other man who climbed another tree is the Christ. One faithful Friday, Jesus Stumbled and staggered through the streets of Jerusalem with a crossbeam strapped to his back. He was beaten beyond all human recognition. He was crushed for our infirmities and our iniquity. He went through the streets of Jerusalem. He went up the skull-shaped hill called Golgotha. And there he was executed. He was crucified as a criminal. Not because of sins he had committed, but because of sins that you and I have committed. And the Roman soldiers, they stretched him wide. They raised him high. They laid him low. In those few hours on that Friday, he who knew no sin became sin for us. In that moment, the righteous one was executed for the unrighteous so that we who are unrighteous might be declared righteous in the sight of God. 
the holy became unholy so that we are unholy might become holy in God's sight both now and forevermore. It's in that moment when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For in that moment, God the Father turned his face away from God the Son because God the Son was taking your sin and my sin upon himself. The Father's face was turned away so that the Father's face might be turned towards you and me. Jesus, writhing in pain, breathed his last, declared it is finished, bowed his head, gave up his ghost. They took down his dead body. They placed him in a brand new tomb. They rolled a stone in front of it. And for the rest of Friday and all day Saturday, even into the early hours of Sunday, the body was cold and lifeless. But early on Sunday morning, early on the first Easter, early on the first day of the week, God the Father raised God the Son by the power of God the Spirit. And Jesus burst forth from the tomb with all power, healing, and victory in his hands. This morning I came to tell you, I'm glad there's another man who climbed another tree. Because there's another man who climbed another tree to set me free. This other man climbed another tree to set you free. This other man climbed another tree so that we may have life. He died so that we might live. We gather on this first day of the week. We gather on this Easter Sunday just to say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, because you're a man who climbed another tree and it makes all the difference in the world. You came not to turn the world upside down, but to turn this sinner right side up. I'm just glad today that Jesus is a man who climbed another tree. So before I take my seat, can I just remind you that I serve a risen Savior and he's in the world today. And I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy and I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Because this man who climbed another tree was in a grave but didn't stay there. For on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And this morning changes everything because the tomb is empty. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, today I ask for you to listen as he calls you by name. You're stuck in a sycamore fig tree of your own design. And Jesus is passing by and he's calling you by name. I encourage your friends, scurry down that tree. I encourage your friend to take Jesus at his word. Let him have a little walk with you and talk with you along life's narrow way. Whatever you do, take Jesus home with you. Don't leave him at the foot of the sycamore fig tree. Do not leave him in the streets, in the middle of town. Don't leave him in the sanctuary. Don't leave Jesus in the parking lot. Don't leave Jesus in your office complex. You take Jesus home with you because it really makes all the difference. Zacchaeus accepted Christ. Maybe some of you need to do that. Zacchaeus' life was transformed and changed. It was visible to everybody who was watching. Maybe some of you need to transform life. 
Let Jesus change you from the inside out. Friend, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with the Lord, then I encourage you today to trust him as Savior. If you are part of the redeemed, if you know that the empty tomb makes all the difference in the world, then maybe today you're praying for your one. I want you to know the altar's open. Feel free to come, kneel, pray. Cast all your cares upon the one who cares so very much for you. It all makes a difference because there was a man who climbed another tree and his name is Jesus. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. We give this invitation. If there's one who is lost, I pray that today they will be found. Oh, Father, I pray that as you place that one person on our mind, that we will once again today pray for them. Lord, I ask for you to open their eyes unto your salvation. Help them to know just how good you are. Father, we give you this invitation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.